This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 10 of the 60-day legislative session. Republican leaders in the Senate unveil their new plan to screw with the vote-by-mail process, and voting rights groups are calling them out. What we're seeing across the country, unfortunately, and here in Florida, is this one of the most serious attempts to restrict the rights of certain Americans to vote since the days of Jim Crow. This really can't be seen as anything other than an attack on voting rights. Why are we doing things with, that would confuse voters, create less options for them after record turnout in November? Republicans insist they are not trying to suppress the vote. They say it's all about preventing fraud in the future. The governor and cabinet have adopted new rules to try to streamline the clemency process. Attorney Richard Greenberg says it's about time. I have a client who filed an application in 2008. His application has not yet been reviewed. The main thing that needs to be done is to speed up the process. The Clemency Board also voted to rescind any fines imposed by local governments for violating mask mandates or other COVID safety rules. The governor opens a new pod for seniors in Sumter County where they can get a one-dose COVID vaccination from Johnson & Johnson. We had a number of seniors that still needed to get shots, uh, reached out to them and said, you got a chance to do one and done, are you interested? And we actually had a lot of interest. The Florida Department of Health reports 62 more fatalities from COVID-19. Did you ever imagine there would come a day when 62 deaths in one day is considered an improvement? We'll also have your calendar of events and the stories of a Florida man and Florida woman doing their best to keep things weird. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity, Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, March 11th. This is National Funeral Director Recognition Day. We're looking at you, Senator Baxley. And it's National Promposal Day, celebrating the act of asking your boo to the prom in a super elaborate way. On this date in 1918, U.S. Army mess cook Private Albert Gitchell of Fort Riley, Kansas, was diagnosed with the first documented case of Spanish flu. It was the start of a worldwide pandemic that killed somewhere between 50 to 100 million people. In 1942, the very first deportation train left Paris for the concentration camp at Auschwitz. And one year ago today, COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the head of the World Health Organization. Governor Ron DeSantis holds a press conference in Sumterville to announce another vaccination pod for seniors, but this one is just a bit different. They will not have to return for a second dose. We are doing the first uh, senior uh, vaccination pod using the Johnson & Johnson one-dose vaccine. So we had a number of seniors that still needed to get shots, uh, reached out to them and said, you got a chance to do one and done, are you interested? And we actually had a lot of interest, and so it's really neat. And what this allows us to do is, it's one thing to have pharmacies, hospitals, some of these permanent sites, but if you're doing some of these things where you're showing up at a church or you're showing up at a senior community and you can do one dose and then not have to worry about coming back in 21 or 28 days, that really, really makes a big difference. We've got almost 60% of seniors have gotten shots in Florida. That's almost 3 million seniors. Uh, We have a massive state 
very big land-wise, obviously a lot of seniors. And I can tell you, they're everywhere. They're not all in Boca Raton. So as the demand starts to go down with the seniors, you then have the ability to get those folks in the 60 to 64. So as you know, we're opening up on Monday for age 60 to 64 uh, in all of the sites, statewide retail pharmacies, hospitals, state-supported sites, pods, you name it. Florida's Department of Health announced 4,853 new cases of COVID-19 Wednesday and 62 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 32,543, and the total number of COVID cases is just short of 1,958,000. Florida leads the nation in the number of former felons who have not had their voting rights restored after doing their time, but the governor and members of the Florida cabinet, who also serve as the executive clemency board, have adopted new rules to try to speed up the process. Governor Ron DeSantis says it creates a procedure that will allow most people to have their rights restored automatically without having to file a formal appeal at the clemency board. Before the board are my proposed revisions to the Florida Rules of Executive Clemency, these proposed revisions to the rules are designed to, one, provide an avenue for felons who have completed all terms of their sentence under Constitutional Amendment 4 to apply for automatic restoration of their full civil rights without a hearing, two, to continue to provide an avenue for felons who have not completed all terms of the sentence under Amendment 4 to apply for restoration of full civil rights with a hearing, three, to streamline the rules, and four, to expedite, expedite the processing of clemency applications, and five, reduce the backlog of clemency cases. Uh, I believe that uh, those who have had their voting rights restored under Amendment 4, it makes sense to also uh, restore the other civil rights. Uh, now, felons who have not completed all terms of the sentence or have not received a judicial modification or conversion of sentence sufficient to satisfy Amendment 4 may not receive the automatic restoration of civil rights without a hearing, but may continue to apply for restoration of civil rights with a hearing under the current clemency process. Tallahassee attorney Richard Greenberg has been handling clemency cases for 30 years. He says the streamlined process is welcome, not to mention long overdue. I have a client who filed an application in 2008. His application has not yet been reviewed. I want to thank the governor and the cabinet for considering these changes to the rules of executive clemency. The main thing that needs to be done is to speed up the process. As I said, I have one client who's been waiting over 12 years. I have many other clients who have been waiting five to 10 years to have their applications reviewed. And hopefully these changes will be made to speed up the process and also the resources need to be allocated to the Office of Executive Clemency and the Commission on Offender Review to review these applications so that people can have a timely resolution to their appeal for clemency. Neil Volz is Deputy Director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. That's the group that championed Amendment 4 to restore voting rights to former felons. His group actually suggested some of these changes. According to the Florida Parole Commission, when uh, people with felony convictions have their civil rights restored, they're three times less likely to reoffend. And we think that that's not only good for returning citizens, we know that that's good for the entire state. Uh, we dropped off some proposals about a year ago this time with some of these same changes, and we're incredibly grateful that we have elected leaders who are listening to returning citizens directly, and that we know when people who are directly impacted by policies have a voice, uh, we're able to move forward together. So on behalf of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, we appreciate uh, the new policies and look forward to continuing to move forward. And and ask some more policies to help people. Attorney General Ashley Moody supports the new clemency procedure, and she too says it's a bit overdue. 
this has been something that has been a topic within my office since uh, I got here. I thought these rules uh, needed to be changed, and I'm so uh, grateful that the governor, you've also made this a priority, and we're here today finally making this a reality. Uh, I, I think the rules are a great first step to reducing our backlog. I think with the automatic process, it's going to streamline everything. This is going to be a great thing for moving cases along. I think that this is going to be a, a huge advancement towards uh, reducing that backlog. The only dissent came from Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. She was calling for changes in the clemency process even before she was elected in 2018. Freed says the governor's plan is a good start, but does not go far enough. I appreciate that this is, uh, that we're going to be doing an automatic uh, RCR, but uh, unfortunately meets only the bare, mo uh, bare bones of Amendment 4. Uh, but what about the vast majority who can't afford the fines, fees, court costs, and money that is owed to the, gov to the government? My counterproposal to this section would to be adding a sworn affidavit of indigency. It's something that I did and was done throughout the entire state when it comes to the public defender's office. Uh, this can be developed by the, the FCOR and put on our website with documentation and penalty for fraud. Uh, no amendment for litigation, if we had done this as I proposed two years ago, would have been necessary. Uh, and so I would like to ask that we consider putting that also into uh, the rules. Uh, the next issue that I have in questions is dealing with the waiting periods. Uh, this is highly confusing. Uh, we currently have a five, seven, eight, ten-year waiting periods, whereas we just heard from Mr. Greenberg that some applicants uh, are 12 years um, from the application to actually have a hearing after 10 years. Um, so there already is a built-in waiting period, even though we're expediting uh, the process, there's still a built-in waiting period just by the mere nature of the fact of how many cases that we have. Um, but am uh, really pleased, Governor, with rule number eight, with the commutation and preliminary review list. This will expedite the process significantly uh, and give us all an equal opportunity to pull cases off of this list. Um, but thank you for taking under advisement the issues that we've been dealing with for two years. Um, but these are some concerns that I still have that I think that we need some conversations and discussions about. One other tidbit of news from the meeting of the Executive Clemency Board. At the request of the governor, they have granted financial clemency to anyone who received a fine for violating mask mandates or other health and safety standards imposed by local governments during the COVID crisis. Uh, as we've seen, there have been unprecedented restrictions imposed on people, particularly at the local government level, uh, on both individuals and businesses. Um, I am moving for a remission of all the outstanding fines on individuals and businesses um, in light of the fact that many of these restrictions, I think, have shown to be ineffective, and I think they've unfairly penalized people. So uh, I hereby move for the remission of all such fines. Is there a second? Is there a third? A second or third? I second it. Okay, and you have a third? Okay, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Opposed. Okay, so the motion carries three to one. Commissioner Freed was the only no vote for COVID clemency. Voting by mail is going to get a lot more complicated if Republican leaders in the legislature get their way. The Governmental Oversight Committee in the state Senate has approved a bill that would make it harder to vote by mail. It would throw out millions of requests for vote-by-mail ballots that have already been filed and force everyone to sign up all over again. It would also eliminate the drop boxes where you can return ballots to the elections office without having to send them through the post office. Now, the people who run elections in Florida say none of these changes are needed. Former State Senator Alan Hayes is now the supervisor of elections in Lake County, and he told lawmakers they are tampering with something that works. We election professionals of Florida are deservedly proud of the job done by everyone, including the voters and our election workers. Mr. Chairman, 
If I were seeking to remodel my home, I would seek the services of an architect and a building contractor. I would not go ask my local dentist how to remodel my home. Sir, now in my role as the election supervisor of Lake County, I'm asking each member of the legislature to seek the opinions and take the advice of the elections professionals of the state of Florida before making significant changes and tinkering with our statutes. Please, last year in the general election, 4.9 million Floridians returned their vote by mail ballot for tabulation. Of those 4.9 million, one and a half million were placed in drop boxes. If you allow Section 5 of this PCS to stand as it is currently worded, you will have outlawed the use of those drop boxes and you have just played havoc in the lives of one and a half million Floridians, not to mention the burden that you've added to the supervisors of elections. Is that really your intention? Our Association of Supervisors has submitted 10 priorities that we are making suggestions, proactive suggestions, to improve um, the, the voting process. Nothing in this bill is on our list of suggestions. Leon County Election Supervisor Mark Early says none of the supervisors in the state support this bill to change vote by mail. He predicts it will mean chaos and confusion in the next election. I have heard of no supervisors who are in support of this bill. There are a few good measures, uh, but uh, on balance, uh, we are against this bill vehemently. In my lifetime serving voters, I've seen the best and worst elections have to offer. This bill appears from my perspective to be setting us up for another 2012, where we had long lines and chaos and confusion. Key points that I'm uh, very concerned about are the uh, prohibition of the use of drop boxes. Supervised drop boxes are the gold standard of the chain of custody for uh, receiving voted ballots. The reset of the vote by mail requests. We already have a reset, it's every two years. All the requests on file right now are at the request of voters. We don't just by default put them on for uh, two election cycles. They've requested that and they're expecting it. We've spent great amounts of money inputting all of these requests. We're gonna have to zero those out, send out lots more uh, vote by mail information, education to our voters, and get back and reprocess all of those requests that are already on file. I think that does a great disservice to our voters, to our taxpayers to pay for this. I'm not sure how we're gonna pay for it, but yes, supervisors elections do get the job done. We'll probably manage, but it's gonna cause great confusion. And I, I don't like trying to explain this to our voters after all the disinformation in 2020. Disinformation is what this is all about. Rich Templin at the Florida AFL-CIO says Republican lawmakers who support the change have essentially embraced the big lie, the election fraud conspiracy theories spread by Donald Trump. The rationale for this legislation is that we need, quote, reassurances for the future and that we, we don't know what we don't know. But we have those reassurances and we do know. And we know this because if we look at this bill, it, it's a laundry list of items that have been investigated by the U.S. Justice Department, nothing found. We know the answer to everything that's in this bill. It's unnecessary. When the U.S. Justice Department and 63 different courts look at this laundry list of grievances of the election process and find nothing wrong, why are we doing this? It, it seems like, a, like a, a list of talking points espoused by, well, one 
formerly very powerful person. And I don't think that we should be wiping away our election laws and voter access for millions of voters based on that. The only person who spoke in favor of the bill at this hearing was Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota, who also serves as chairman of the state Republican Party. He describes this process as tightening the screws. Some of the changes we've made over the years, just go back to the 2000 election when it was Bush versus Gore, how Florida became the laughingstock with the hanging chads and everything else. Then look at the different elections we've had over the last 20 years. We've had a lot of close ones, and what's happened is every time we come as a legislative body, come together, and we tighten the screws and we make sure that we protect the integrity of the system. Because this is all about ensuring that we have confidence in the voters, making sure that it's easy as possible to vote and as hard as possible to cheat. But at the end of the day, this is not going to uh, uh, restrict, it's not going to disenfranchise, it's not going to confuse. It's all very clear. I think these are all the, the, the great steps. The election process, it's always going to be a continuous improvement. How can we make sure that we have that confidence in the system every single election cycle? Just because we had one good system doesn't mean that the next one's going to be perfect. We can't stop now. We have to continue to make sure that we have integrity in the system, that the Florida voters have the confidence that they need. And we're doing this way in advance, so there's no confusion whatsoever. We want people to vote. But at the end of the day, it's about making it as easy as possible to vote and as hard as possible to cheat. And I think this bill is a great step in, in the right direction. The governor also supports the bill. Ron DeSantis wants to get rid of those drop boxes for mail-in ballots. Yeah, I, I think these drop boxes, I mean, you know, mail it in or drop it off at an election office. Just leave a drop box there that's not um, uh, attended. I didn't even know that this had been in the law. And when I found out, I said, well, that's a problem. Um, can you, because, you know, ballot harvesting, all that, you got to watch out for it. And so I think that that's a mistake to just have something out there. So so I think that's the right thing to do. I think it was a mistake to do that. And you look at what California's done. They like have this war of drop boxes now. It's like, you know, we really need to make sure. I mean, if you go into a polling place, it's like a sacred thing. Everything you go, you everyone's watching. Make sure everything's safe. To just have some drop box without anyone attending it. Yeah, I don't support that. Democrats embraced voting by mail last year, so it's under fire. Republicans preferred early voting, so lawmakers are not messing with it. It's about as subtle as a two-by-four upside the head. The vote-by-mail bill is sponsored by Senator Dennis Baxley, but he doesn't spend all his time messing with elections. There is a lighter side to the funeral director from Ocala. Baxley is also the sponsor of a bill that says you should be able to ride one of those stand-up elliptical bikes without getting a ticket. Odd as it may sound, there is a law in Florida that says you cannot ride a bike that doesn't have a seat. Turns out that uh, we need an update in the law on the manufacture of uh, bicycles that don't have a seat. Apparently, it's against the law, and you can be cited uh, for riding a bicycle that doesn't have a seat on the thoroughfares. So, uh, since people in villages are in all over the state are enjoying these new elliptical bikes, which you stand up and operate with your feet in a standing position, uh, we want to update the law and uh, provide for this type of bike to be used in a bike lane or on roadways that have bicycle paths. The seatless bike bill passed unanimously. Next up on Sunrise, your calendar of events and our daily tribute to Florida Man, the superhero we do not need but so richly deserve. First, though, a message from the sponsors. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. 
Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. The Senate Rules Committee meets at 8.15. The House Appropriations Committee, the House Ways and Means Committee, and the Senate Finance and Tax Committee meet at 9. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The House Rules Committee and the Senate Appropriations Committee meet at 11.30. A joint committee of the Florida Board of Medicine and the Florida Board of Osteopathic Medicine will discuss medical marijuana issues at noon. Four House subcommittees meet at 1245, Children and Families, Environment, Agriculture and Flooding, Higher Education Appropriations, and Justice Appropriations. The Suicide Prevention Council meets at 1. The Florida Advisory Council on Climate and Energy meets online at 2. The Florida Senate holds a floor session beginning at 2.30. Four House subcommittees meet at 2.30, Agriculture, Early Learning, Veterans Affairs, and Public Health. And four House subcommittees meet at 4.15, Criminal Justice, Postsecondary Ed, State Administration, and Tourism. A Florida woman has been jailed in New Orleans, accused of firing several shots into a crowd and wounding two teenagers on Bourbon Street. Police have identified the woman as 27-year-old Jasmine Evans of Jacksonville, but they have not released any details about a possible motive. The shooting happened after a large group of people gathered to listen to street musicians in the French Quarter. Finally today, a Florida man is busted after bouncing on his neighbor's trampoline in the nude. The victim lives in Fort Myers. She told police 21-year-old Adrian Lee Gonzalez Bradway was naked when he knocked on her door. When she asked if he needed help, Bradway just said no and left. Half an hour later, she saw the guy, still naked, jumping on the family trampoline out back. She called police when he started fondling himself, and when the cops arrived, they say he ran to the woman's house, demanded to be let in, and smashed a window when she refused. Florida man is only charged with burglary and criminal mischief, so frankly, it sounds like he got off easy. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. <laughs>